0: Welcome to the book club that sure is not your mom's romance book club, but it is my mom's. I'm Ellen, and joining me as always is my mom. Hi, mom. How's it going? Hello, Ellen.
1: So well. So
0: good. So well. Not joining us as always is author extraordinaire, and I'd like to say friend of the show, if she will grant me that title, uh, Rosie Dannon. Welcome, Rosie. Hello, and yes, absolutely friend of the show. My honor. (laughs) Okay, good. Uh, Rosie was gracious enough to join us for our discussion of her book, The Intimacy Experiment, and we're so excited to talk about that with her. But first, Mom, Rosie, what have you been reading and watching? Now, Rosie, it doesn't have to be uh, in the past week. That's what we're going to do, because they always hear what we've been reading and watching. Um, I haven't read anything else besides Rosie's book. This I week. haven't read anything besides her book either. Um, we've had family in town, and it's been a little kind of chaotic. So week. it was lucky that we both got this one. Read. It was very lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Not that it wasn't a pure delight. Um, but and then watching, we saw Suicide Squad. Was it, um, it good? Yeah, it's it, it's, it's very it's pretty bonkers It's pretty bonkers and um very violent but I definitely liked it well I haven't seen the first one I liked it more than what I heard about the first (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um,
2: I watched the first like 10 minutes of the first Suicide Squad and it was repulsively bad like it was so yeah I kind of went in being like maybe I'll hate watch it kind of thing like it's not even that level viscerally (laughs)
0: repulse <laughs> so bad go. well there you go yeah see I kept hearing reviews like that and so I was like
1: I don't want to see that oh. but then I yeah. heard good ones about this one so I'm like okay I'll go see that and Margot Robbie as uh Harley Quinn Harley Quinn is delightful yeah she is she's, really she is.
0: Just, she's just fun to watch as that character she's like the best thing that DC ever did um, did you see Birds of Prey yes and I okay also that, that was one. excellent yes I yeah. loved that yeah so uh so yeah I, if you like Birds of Prey, I think you'd be on board with yeah. this one. It's kind of in the same vein. But um, how about you, Rosie? Anything that's like caught your fancy as of late? Oh, boy. Um, I have been watching Ted Lasso.
2: Um, oh, oh, we love Ted Lasso. So, so good, right? So good. I know. Um, yeah, that was like my pandemic favorite, and I'm so happy yeah. that there's a new season. We have not watched this week yet, um, but We'll definitely do that soon. So that's been the main watching. I got, I actually had like a very um, emotionally tumultuous (laughs) Bachelorette season. I'm not normally Uh. um, a a fan of that franchise. I I have not been one of those people that always tunes in. Um, But I did like the current Bachelorette, Katie Thurston. And then it was a ride. Like, just, I, I, feel like everyone got her, it was not emotionally I was actually telling um uh, one of my best friends um about how as a romance writer to go into like a show like that you think okay they're gonna make it work it doesn't matter what the obstacles are because I have all these like romance genre conventions yeah and then they couldn't because it's not a romance novel it's real life and, and it was so messy and I was a little heartbroken over it so that was an adventure um, and I honestly I'm at the very end of drafting um, my third book and I have not been reading very much um, so I don't even think I have anything to report
0: there yeah that's um, yeah we we
1: then we'll forgive you there yeah we'll we'll allow it <laughs> yeah thank you we yeah. want to
0: see this third book so and we're gonna ask you some questions about that in a second depending on how much you're willing to share with us um I'm trying to think of books that we've liked that we've we just read twice shy last week and we really liked that oh, one. I
2: love twice shy yes yeah. I love Sarah Hoggle. I
0: her voice is just so compulsively readable that was
2: like one of the few books I read like devoured during the pandemic I've really
0: really really struggled to read unfortunately yeah and um we liked the oh my gosh Kate um <laughs> Kate Clayton all right right uh, why am I playborn? Playborn? playborn thank you um what is it called love, at first. love we it first that, and we liked that one a lot too
2: I have I bought that as soon as it came out I have not had a chance to read it yet um but I love Kate's writing I think I've read everything else that she's written and she's yeah. fantastic
0: so those are those are our winners so far two, two of our likes so that far we've liked this in our m- recent reading history um so when you're done drafting you know you Wonderful. can hop on that
2: i uh, yeah i do i have so many books that i'm looking forward to um that i guess was, you know hopefully october will just be like a buffet of books
0: yeah it was, <laughs> it was, a, it was a good summer there like, and especially there was like one week where i read like eight books because there were eight books that came out that i wanted to read so it was oh my gosh it was a bevy um okay so today we are chatting about the intimacy experiment with our buddy rosie dannon who it is written by uh it is the follow-up to her wildly what? successful oh do they roommate. Um, which was voted a best book of the year by NPR, BuzzFeed, Entertainment Weekly, and a whole mess of other publications. And it received a 2020 Ripped Bodice Award for Excellence in Romantic Fiction. Um, so this sequel, The Intimacy Experiment, was highly anticipated by us and everyone else. Um, Rosie, would you like to tell us your, your uh, synopsis for The Intimacy Experiment? Yes, of course. Um, Okay, so the Intimacy
2: Experiment picks up about two years following the events of The Roommate. Um, So Naomi Grant, um, who we met in The Roommate as Josh Darling's ex-girlfriend and co-creator of feminist startup Shameless, um, has, you know, a thriving, continues to thrive in her professional life. Um, Shameless, which was, uh, you know, a startup in the first book, is now a You know, multinational, very successful um, sex education website. And um, Naomi's had the opportunity to really build a company that ethically um, she's aligned with and is able to, you know, hire a lot of different sex workers. So she's thriving in that respect. Um, But where she's not thriving is she's running into a lot of obstacles in trying to break into academia. And this is something that's important to her because, you know, she doesn't just want to create. Um, sort of outlier uh, educational platform. She's very proud of that work, but she also wants to kind of transform the system from the inside. And because of, you know, being a porn star turned uh, sex educator, she's really, you know, struggling to break into higher ed. So she goes to an educational conference to try to network as kind of a last ditch effort. And she kind of Has a tantrum, (laughs) Uh, so like accidentally uh, goes on a tan goes on this like big rant uh, about how it's not right that you know higher education is keeping people out and things like that. And Ethan Cohen, LA Mag has just named him one of the city's most eligible bachelors. um, Has recently become a rabbi of his own synagogue. And he is in the audience at this teaching convention, listening to this woman rant, and he's like, "Man, what a gal! Let me get <laughs> it." <pizza." laughs> um, and so he is like, "This is the kind of like fired up, passionate educator that I need to bring new people to my synagogue, because um, like many synagogues and religious institutions in general, his synagogue is struggling to attract young members." So he makes her a proposition. Different than the kinds of propositions she normally <laughs> receives. And this one is to teach a modern intimacy seminar um, with him. And at first she refuses, but eventually she agrees after Clara kind of bullies her, which I, I really like their dynamic. Mm. And uh, Naomi and Ethan end up using the syllabus as um, a way to kind of fall in love and figure out that, you know, the best laid plans um, are not always the best for getting you laid, which I never have said that before. I mean, what a missed marketing app. You can see me building that as it was going. I was
0: like, wait, this is very exciting. So I'm going to write to my publicist. After there you that. go. I'm glad we were able to gift you that opportunity on this podcast. Yeah. I was You're a little phone nervous phone. to
2: start, but I uh, built some steam there.
0: So yeah. <laughs> Um, yes, that they do, uh, find out that, you know, <laughs> that that plan can work. Um, okay. So this is usually the part in the show where
1: I ask mom, what did you think of the intimacy experiment? Um, Ellen and Rosie, <laughs> I loved this book. Likewise.
0: And I'm not, I'm not like legitimately, I love loved it. Like, I'm not even just saying that. Cause I'm, looking at the person who 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 wrote wrote it. it. (laughs) I mean, I probably would say that even if, you know, I didn't because you're standing right there, but um, I, I legit did. Uh, I think it, I loved everything you talk about with intimacy and the modern way in which we have to do that. And um, it also like really hit me at, at a good point because I just went to like a singles conference last weekend. So it's like kind of fresh on, fresh on my mind um on my mind grapes and um I I loved them I love both of them both being very different people um he is a freaking dreamboat which we're gonna talk about and just the things that you wrote that came out of his mouth I was like
1: come on (laughs) stop it right now um Ellen had so much of it highlighted because she read it before me and she had so much of it highlighted that I would. cool so it was easier for me to pick up on what a cool thing he said so <laughs> yeah
0: um and yeah just loved it and uh the people also loved it and we're gonna read some of those to you as well and some of their questions but just wanted to let you know off the bat we're only gonna have nice things to say about it so but that is so, yeah.
1: so kind <laughs> uh-huh. for, for the two of them though I thought it was an interesting because they kind of came from different places than our regular romance heroes and heroines I mean yeah. you know he's the sweet sunshine guy and she's the kind of grumpy hero who you Had know win. heroine and um but it was interesting and they both came from such different places mm-hmm. and so their falling in love experience was kind of a, a flip I mean it was kind of from from completely different So they kind of met in the middle of these two completely extremes that they came from. Um, And, you know, I love the roommate as well, but
0: this one just like really hit me square in the chest. Like I just, I, I loved everything you were talking about in this one. And I thought it was really great.
1: Thank you. Yeah. We come from a religious background, so it's, it's kind of interesting to read a book, a romance about, you know, with a lot of religious, you know, Stuff in it, discourse yes. in it, and how romance and religion can kind of still go hand in hand. Yeah,
2: yeah. No, that was one of the things I, I was excited to hear your perspective on because you know it's it's funny. There's been a lot of conversation about inspirational romance lately um, with the RWA's continued uh, in, embarrassments. I think it's fair <laughs> to say. I was trying to think of a nice way to put it. Um, but who needs to be nice? Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because I, I don't think I've ever read an inspirational romance in my entire life. I'm just it didn't has never appealed to me. I think it's you know primarily because it's not a religion that I identify with um, is the predominant narrative there. Mm-hmm. Um, but people started like tagging me or mentioning me being like you know I think the intimacy experiment is an um, example of kind of a a modern inspirational romance in a way and I was like I have never thought of that um but I can kind of see what you mean it's so funny like I didn't set out at all with that objective um but it's just interesting and I I do like the idea that because I don't like the idea of writing off genre subgenres. you know what I mean being like even things like with lower stakes where people are like well paranormal's dead or something like that I think all of these things are, are ripe for reinvention or waiting for the next wave of, of authors to get their hands on them. So yeah, just, it's been interesting for me to just hear how other people perceive it versus the way that I had a, the mentality of writing it. Set out to write
0: it. Yeah. Um, well, what I will say is I, I can see where people would say it is somewhat, but first of all, I've read, I've read a couple um, inspirational quote-unquote romances that were written like by people within like by publishing people within my religion and they're always so schmaltzy that's why I can't like get into them but with your book what I liked about it is you know we are not Jewish by faith and but it's still approachable as just someone who is of of faith, you know, and um, I just really liked the things you talked about, just as just any faith, you know. And I thought it was approachable from all walks of life, at you know, for for me at least, as a person who is of a faith. Um, <laughs> and we'll we'll talk. I have a I have a question about that later too, so we'll we'll dive into that more. But I wanted to start by talking about Naomi. Um, first of all, I love her. I love her take no prisoners approach but also like her soft underbelly that gets exposed and how she just kind of bravely opens herself up throughout the book and I hope you don't mind this me bringing this up and I will take it out if you don't want me to talk about this but (laughs) the early draft that I read of the roommate she was such a different character um Naomi I-, I thought she was. She kind of seemed more, and maybe I'm just misremembering this, but she seemed kind of more villainessy in the early draft of The Roommate. Am I misremembering this now that you're making faces at me?
2: I will say, I-, I mean, I definitely, I will say that it was never my intention. Um, so it is not, uh, which is not to refute your experience reading it. It's very, yeah. I know you, and I don't know if everyone knows this listening, but um, Ellen read a super, super, super early draft of The Roommate. Um, and, you know, there, but so I don't know, but I don't think, like there was no scene that she is in that got cut or changed as far as okay. I remember. um so I don't know I mean again not to refute like you're like remembering but just from the author perspective like that was it was she was always like meant to be um yeah it was because she was always meant to subvert the idea of the evil
0: ex-girlfriend okay um she just I so any but for that was my remembering of her. And so I was like, wow, she's really come full circle <laughs> when I was <laughs> reading this. And, um, and yeah, so for my perspective, like, she really developed as a character. But um, I, yeah, so I just, I I loved that you did subvert that, the kind of evil ex-girlfriend thing, and that she was still... Worthy of her own
1: love story and all of that. And speaking of, I really love the scene where um, Josh. Jo- yeah, he meets Josh uh, for the first time. How come I can't think of his name? Ethan. Ethan. <laughs> where Ethan meets Josh for the first time, and and um, you know, so they have their little discussion, and then at the end, Josh is like, "No, but really, if you do hurt her, <laughs> you know, yeah. don't hurt her." <laughs> um, so what was that like for you just
0: kind of come, you know, from that, from that early draft to this point now where you're writing her own book, I guess. Yeah. Well, was she always, was she always going to have her own book? Like when in your mind? Yeah.
2: Yes. Um, I mean, in the sense that I was not sure that I would finish that book or write another book, (laughs) yeah, <laughs> um, gotcha. but she was just always someone that I had a ton of heart for I will say I was very intimidated by her which I think I've, I've talked about um she's very different from who I am in a lot of ways so I think that has to do with that um I was thinking back on, on what you were saying too about like why you might have read her as being and I think probably you just read her, like, she just wasn't as fleshed out, probably, in early drafts. And so maybe what was on the page was, like, closer reflective to, like, the archetype. versus So you, like, almost maybe, like, projected things from the archetype. She wasn't maybe as well established on the page, I can imagine. Um, but spending more time with her, I mean, a, a dream. Like, she's one of my I just have I love her so much. Uh, I don't know if that's weird to say about your characters. I love all of my characters. I have like a funny I like jog um very slowly, very poorly. And like, sometimes if I like really need to, this is really embarrassing. I'm like realizing it's story, but here we go. Um, If I'm like trying to like make myself like jog like the last like little bit, I'll be like, oh, like imagine like all your characters are there and like, you're gonna like go meet them. Cause I just like, I don't know, they feel like friends to me. Um, And uh, people I wanna like make proud. uh, Cause I think they do really in in different ways like represent the best of what I see in people. so yeah, spending more time with her, getting to really dig into her psyche. Um, I love vulnerability. I think like that's, I just love when I, when I'm talking to someone in real life <laughs> um, and just getting to hear about, yeah, their, their softness, their, um, the things that they worry about, all that stuff. I'm just very attuned to that as a person. So getting to spend time with her in that sense, um, and even as well was just, a treat. It was it was a hard book to write, but I'm, I think I'm getting into the place now where I'm realizing that all books are hard in different ways. Um, yeah. But that book was, again, honestly, just like really, really intimidating to write. I really wanted to get um, her character right. I wanted to get the representation um, of like different Jewish identities right. I wanted to show, you know, inclusive, perspectives in terms of sex education there was just like so many things that I was like you know people can say that I got this wrong like it was very and it, I think you know if you spend time on on romance twitter and stuff like that there can be uh, uh, just a feeling I, I you know I think on the on the plus side there's a lot of accountability on the negative side sometimes it just makes you almost like clench up and feel like your characters have to be perfect Mm -hmm. because um you know if they're unlikable or they do something wrong that can can show up so i had to kind of work through on my own not letting those voices drive my writing
0: process yeah um no i can see that because you you tackle a lot of of big ideas and a lot of things that need to be tackled so i could see where that would be intimidating and then yeah them as characters they are both so unique and distinctly voiced that yeah, yeah i i feel for you this was, this was a <laughs> tough task you set for yourself but i think you did great with it um i wrote down this quote about naomi that i really liked it's from josh it's from that conversation with josh and he says She'll double down on a pair of twos every time just to prove she's not afraid. Thinks it makes her immune, building up a tolerance to losing. But I'm not sure she'd even know how to play it if life gave her a hand she actually wanted. And I just, I was like, damn girl, you just like nailed her in one sentence or two, I guess. (laughs) Um, And I just really liked that as an analogy to describe her because it's like, she's so up on the defensive all the time that she wouldn't even know what to want for herself I think in a lot of ways and stuff like that and so I just wanted to sing your praises and tell you that I really liked that line so you're <laughs> um, Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Um, okay. Question from listener Catherine. Did you always know Naomi's love interest would be a man? If not, how did you reach that decision?
2: Definitely not. Um, and in fact, when I was brainstorming her book, um, and it was a very short period of time, I had to pitch her book in about 48 hours to come up with the entire concept and who the love interest would be. And I would say of that 48 hours, probably 40 of them were spent being like who who is this person and um Naomi is bisexual and that has always been a core facet of my understanding of her and so I yeah I was like is it a woman um is it a non-binary person it, you know it could have been anyone and ultimately I actually probably decided the rabbi piece before I decided that Ethan would be a man, um, and ultimately, it you know he kind of once I kind of got to the rabbi piece, I started having conversations with my family um, about whether it would be okay to write a romance novel with a sex worker and a rabbi because <laughs> uh, I didn't want to get like shunned would from that my family. Thing? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, and it's a story I've, I've told a bunch of times, but basically, like. I said to my family I'm interested in this book my aunt like immediately stood up in the center of the room and was like I'm emailing our rabbi you're like basically gonna get in trouble I was like oh my gosh and sent the email to the rabbi and within like five minutes he came back and was like who are we to stand in the way of love and so when I got that seal of approval from him I just think I I was like yeah this is the kind of thing I want to channel um and I think that was ultimately the deciding factor a little bit just like this good energy from this man I was like you know what I'm gonna make another good man and he was born in that way but yeah um definitely like could have gone could have gone in, a, in
0: multiple directions I love that power, power to the rabbi that's awesome <laughs> um question from listener Jennifer what kind of research did you do for Naomi's background and specifically the harassment she experiences as a former sex worker and her coping mechanisms in the bar and the scene where she writes down all the slurs she's been called that was powerful did you think that up yourself or did you come did it come from an interview you conducted or something you read I mean, I know, I know this is Ellen now speaking that you did a lot of research into this stuff for the roommate. Cause we talked to you about that last time. Um, so did that kind of come through there or yeah. How'd that come about with her?
2: Yeah. Um, so I, for both the roommate and antipathy experiment, I, um, did both kind of like book research in terms of like reading memoirs, um, essays, articles from sex workers in different walks of life. And then I also had uh, different conversations and sensitivity reads with sex workers as well. Um, and so that research definitely like informed Naomi's experiences. I knew, I always knew going in that writing a female porn star, um, was going to be more challenging in different Mm. ways than writing, um, a male, adult film star and because they, like
0: anything it's completely different experiences yeah. <laughs> and yeah it is
2: absolutely <laughs> um and you know the power imbalances are more significant and all of that mm-hmm. so um but I would say I you know unfortunately there are a lot of accounts of harassment that people experience in um in the adult entertainment industry so those were influential in terms of crafting her view of the world I would say um in terms of like specific coping mechanisms that Naomi uses in the narrative those were developed like I developed those for her character so they weren't reflective of like a specific individual that I spoke to mm-hmm.
0: I I liked I also really liked that scene where she's like I before I started this I sat down and I wrote out every nasty thing that they could ever say at me <laughs> throw at me and just let it you know, wash over me essentially so that she could build up immunity. And I thought that that was, that was um, fair. sad and, but powerful for her character that that's, that's kind of how she, why she is the way she is is because she's just had to self-implement these walls, I guess, to close herself off to all the bullshit she probably
1: has to put up (laughs) well I did like too the scene in the bar where you know the frat guy comes and is saying stuff to her and it's the kind of thing where you would think this probably wouldn't bother her normally because she's probably dealt with it so many times but I think it was a combination of where she was now kind of in a different place and the fact that Ethan was actually there and um she's trying to make a good impression yeah and 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 he was witnessing what this was going through and so then it affected her quite differently and I think she was kind of surprised at how it affected her so anyway it was really well written and and you know I got it authentic to like what would happen in that experience
0: nailed it again
2: (laughs) thank you so much um but this is just the most affirming experience I recommend coming on the podcast. First, but, um, <laughs> we might
1: not love everybody's <laughs> everybody.
2: Um, but yeah, I mean, I think every obviously like trauma response is, is individual. Right. And, um, and, and I, I did want to show it's really important to me. Like, it, you know, it's on the page, Naomi's been in therapy and um. Uh, but that doesn't always help, you know what I mean? Like so there are, like the path to recovery is not a straight line. Like she has trauma, um, you know, from an early age is what I would say is childhood trauma, even though she was 18 um, when, you know, she was violated with people sharing naked images of her, which does mm-hmm. actually count as sexual assault. Some people don't think about that, but um, so yeah. And, and she actually, all of those factors. And then she also had like just got an email from, Her high school, like asking her to speak. And that was also like kind of triggering and throwing her off Mm -hmm. her guard in that scene. So, yeah. And again, I think this scene is so much. I wanted to both show how much she is tough, but also like
0: the cost of that toughness.
2: Um, So I'm glad that that seems like it came across.
0: Yeah. Um, Also, her. Yeah, I, I was glad in some ways that you made her well, because when we lived in the same place, I was friends with a um, uh, like a middle school counselor. And she was dealing with this situation at her school where this boy asked this girl, middle school, grant you, asked this girl to send him naked pictures of her. And she did. And then he shared them. And then he was getting charged with child pornography. Charges because yes, he was,
2: <laughs> you know, yeah, soliciting. Yeah, I mean, and he was a child too. But yeah, yes, I I was a conscious decision to make her eighteen. I didn't. Um, there again, there's so many like layers and threads in the narrative yeah. already. I didn't want to get into like get child into pornography. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: throw that on top of it. But yeah, and um. I thought that that being kind of her backstory into getting into the adult entertainment industry was um, interesting. And I, and just further um, enforced her character as like the, well, I'm just not going to let any of this get to me. Like I'm going to stick it to them in this way. Like if they want to do that, I'm going to go do this. And um, I just felt like it was a good background for her that even, more enforced her character um okay now we really need to talk about ethan um (laughs) because girl i love him so much um he's swoony and he says the loveliest things but a big part of why i love him is that he's just like this fully fleshed out guy like with thoughts and feelings and beliefs and i just felt like by the end i really understood him as a person and i think especially with our heroes in romance, a lot of times it's just like, damn, he's got a great set of abs and he's funny. And that's all we need. And (laughs) we're like, Oh, swoon. Um, but with him, I just felt like, yeah, like he was a fully fleshed out guy who a whole package I knew. And yeah, whole package. Um, but also I like that He wasn't just a set of abs physically, you know, he was kind of different physically from our typical brawny, um, you know, he's still well put together
1: from the sounds of it, but he's a little shorter. I did like the whole... (laughs) picturing him in, in baseball pants yeah I'm always on that. <laughs> <laughs> I used
2: to go to jobs
1: <laughs> I just
2: was like I want to write a season where he's wearing baseball pants and here I go making choices that no, I love that. Um, but yeah no I, I really loved writing a, a shorter hero um, and want to you know do more of those kind of things it's like wild how rare they are like yeah. I then started to like look for them a little bit more in in the novels that I was reading I was like all these men are like six five and over yeah
0: and built like Just for short kings yeah, yeah. <laughs> short kings yes yeah. <laughs> yeah um but uh no mom has often talked about how it it makes us it kind of diminishes our stance on like body positivity
1: and um, where and all to- of our heroes have to have, they all are like, so cookie cutter. I mean, they all have to be exactly the mm-hmm. same and they all have to be, you know, broad shoulders. And and it's, it's almost embarrassing that all these romance heroes have to be that way. However, if all romance heroines were all curvy with, you know, big boobs or whatever, we would be furious about that. We, would, that. we wouldn't st- tolerate that. We wouldn't stand for that, but we do stand for it. And in fact, embrace Perpetuate it. it, yeah, in the heroes. And I don't think that's really fair. So I like seeing a little difference there. Some representation for the short King. For the short King. <laughs> um, okay. But
0: also like, where do you get off making such a perfect guy who says the most perfect things? Like, yeah. that's like mom said, there were so many things that I highlighted. Cause I was just like, uh
1: gosh you are just the
0: sweetest and a lot of listeners describe him as a cinnamon roll he is definitely like just the sweetest cinnamon roll but he's so thoughtful
1: in the things he says the things yeah. he says are not just sweet they're they're very um and I guess this is you not him but, <laughs> but um they're very uh, introspective yes and yes yeah so
0: so then he was like Smart on top of it all, and you're just like, gosh, gosh, dang you! <laughs> I mean, I try.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was funny. I think like Ethan and Josh are really different. Um, yeah, and I love both of them so so dearly. Like, so I'm not trying to make it a competition in any respect, but um, yeah, it's fun. I mean, I I actually really enjoy. Um, pulling them apart and having like I love writing to track I think that's clear um this kind of two books that I've done so far but I think even doing opposite to track and like the types of you know love interests that you can expect from me and stuff like that so um yeah it's just a, a real treat and yeah I, I don't know i, I Thanks for enjoying the-
0: <laughs> <You're welcome. laughs> that. you for, Thank you for writing him. Thank you for writing him. Um, so my question about him was, Naomi has her relationship hangups and his all seem to be kind of centered around him being a rabbi and the impediment that that can be on the people that he loves, both his family and, you know, newcomers like her. Uh, so is that kind of the reason you wanted to make him a rabbi or is that a discovery about his character that you kind of made along the way? um No, I wanted to make him a rabbi. So, the
2: way that I think about my love interests, like as part of my craft development, is um, I think about their shared values. So, I think like, it, and in this case, I already had Naomi, right? So, I started with like, what does Naomi care about? What would she need in a love? And she would need someone that would challenge her like someone that is not afraid of like alternative ideas that like welcomes discourse that um values um challenges and things like that she would want someone that cares about building inclusive communities she's built her entire career on that she would want someone um, I think that that is accepting and open-minded all of those things so um, I actually got to a rabbi from that exercise. <laughs> and then once I, you know, started to flesh out Ethan, I, you know, I do that, the wound, like what's holding them back and all that. And um, I actually, you know, in speaking to different rabbis and, and doing my, that side of the research, um, it is an incredibly demanding job and responsibility and as a community leader. So it was really a lot of that work that kind of influenced that.
0: Um, that's so interesting because I have in my notes too, because I was at a singles this like I said, I was at a singles conference this past weekend and they had this psychologist speak about forming meaningful relationships. And he talked about how you first need to sit down with yourself and evaluate like your values and the things that matter to you. And so when I was, I had that in mind when I was reading them and I'm like, cause they shouldn't work on paper, right? You know, former porn star and rabbi like it like you said it's like the setup for a joke um and but i think that they both at their core have the same values and they just kind of have really different ways of going about ensuring that they maintain them is kind of what i was taking away from them and um like i i thought about the scene where they're talking about why they get out of bed in the morning And he just wants to make someone's day better. And she just like wants to take down the man kind of thing. Um, But at at its base root core, it's kind of the same thing. Just very, like she wants to make the world a better place. He wants to make the world a better place. They just want to do it. She's a stick of dynamite and he's the guy opening doors for people, you know? (laughs) And so um, I thought about that. So it's interesting that that's where you came at it from as well. Um, but yeah, I just thought that that was interesting and it, you know, made me think about people in our religion too and how
1: it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's demanding gig those, those guys that, well, it's not just a nine to five job. It's a 24 seven job. And so, uh, you know, it's like, if someone needs something, you're on call all the time and that's, demanding and it's hard on a on a family
0: yeah and i really liked um you know they play a more minimal role but the effect that it has on his family that he makes this life change and all of a sudden his family now is having to kind of change the way that they interact to accommodate this new status quo and i thought that that was also really interesting to include that and um yeah because you know we make changes about ourselves, and then it's that kind of sets our families on edge sometimes. With okay, I don't know how to work around you now. Um, and I thought that was interesting. Uh, question from at Kara. Cupferman on instagram uh she says i was struck as a jew by how authentic and personal the jewish parts of the book felt to me especially how both naomi and ethan turned to and away from judaism at different parts of their lives how did you go about writing those parts of the book and can you talk about how your identity might have shaped the character's jewish journeys if however comfortable you feel talking about that aspect
2: yeah um again like Uh, so I'm Jewish but I did not necessarily ever set out um, you know before I guess diving into this book like saying like I'm gonna write a a book about what it means to to me to be Jewish or to people to be Jewish I was just like you know I I, there's not a ton of books in romance that I've read with um, Jewish protagonists I you know I always thought like I'd like to put that on the page but undertaking the degree of involvement that, you know, obviously to have a rabbi where, who's a POB character and um, what was intense. And so again, you know, we touched on this a little bit in the last kind of point of discussion, but I did do a lot of research into, um, again, rabbis, good thing about them is they love to write. <laughs> so there's a lot of perspectives that are available and I was able to have some um, wonderful conversations as well. And so, so that really informed um, Ethan's perspective. And then I also had a lot of conversations with my Jewish family um, to understand like their relationship with their heritage and identity um, as a Jewish person, which was really personally rewarding as well as mm-hmm. kind of influencing some of the different perspectives you see on the page. Um, my one of the reasons I did was, you know, curious and excited to write this book is because in my, I had never like really sat down, which I think probably is true of a lot of people and said like, what does my Jewish identity mean to me? Um, Like, how do I want to continue it in my life? Like, how do I want it to thrive? Like, you know, with, cause I, I did a lot of research about sort of like, you know, millennials and, um synagogue attendance and all of this stuff you know to inform the plot points and a lot of people will join a synagogue when they get married and are having children so like they, mm-hmm. they might have belonged with their families as young people like as literal children and then it's not until like you know mid to late adulthood that they're saying like I'm gonna become a member myself so um Yeah, I was sort of like in that point of my own life and thinking about that. And so my journey, I would say more closely reflects Naomi's in terms of, um, you know, wanting to learn, wanting to figure out what's available and um, to really like dig into things that, you know, and I think this happens with a lot of different um, religious practices it's like when you're a child if your parents are practicing something you sort of practice it by default and you don't ever choose it necessarily Mm -hmm. and then as an adult you have this opportunity to say you know am I going to affirm and choose it again or am I going to choose something else or am I going to choose nothing um to you know to be um to have those opportunities is a part of shaping identity and this book was always for me really about the intersection of our different identities and how they do
0: Evan. slow yeah um I know thinking from our perspective um because our church does this thing where they have like congregations of single people so that you can
1: get meet to know meet,
0: meet to know other singles that are in the the faith and um and as I've gotten older through, through that congregation, um, people start to, to drop like flies. And I think it's because it's like, well, I'm not finding my soulmate here. And then they kind of sit down and reflect on like, why am I going to church? Why am I doing these things? And it's, it's because a lot of times they were just going through the motions of, you know, with their families and doing, they were raised that way because they were raised that way and thinking that, um, they just, that's just what you do. And then when they don't get married and have their own kids, it's like, okay, what am I doing here? And so, yeah, I, 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 I reflected a lot on, okay. Me as still a single person, like, yeah, why, why do I do it? Why? And it's because I, I believe in it and all that stuff um, but yeah, you do have to kind of sit down and have that um, reflection time on whether or not you're doing it for you or if you're doing it just because that's the only thing you've ever known kind of thing
1: And that's definitely a thing with I mean, well, I think every religion you know people go through that same process and they like uh, Rosie was saying yeah and um, yeah we're also like, I've got
0: ancestors upon ancestors in that grew up in our church. And so it's like, yeah, that's just a given. That's just what my family's always done. But you do have to kind of um, reflect with yourself on why you do that. And I really appreciated the like representation of the different stages and uh, statuses, I guess, that they both have within that faith. And especially Naomi's, I think it's so true to the religious kid experience that, she feels at the same time shunned for being Jewish and also shunned for not being like the right amount of Jewish, because it's like, you can't win. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah. Um, and we run into that in our group as well. It's like, you're either with the church kids or you're, you know, against them. And it's, it's like, you can't find the the right balance. And so, um, yeah, it's it's it was comforting to know that that's not just us. That's
1: <laughs> not just our church. <laughs> that goes through.
2: Yeah. And I think with Naomi like and and there's a line about this but it was you know one of the most important lines for me in terms of her experience and identity is like she is so constantly having to justify and defend her right to own parts of her identity like as a bisexual woman you know, that's constantly being invalidated. As a sex worker, she's constantly being invalidated, her experiences, her expertise that would make her a valuable part of the academic community. It's, and that's, you know, also fueled by this insecurity that she has about being, you know, Jewish enough. Yeah. And I think it's just like, all, you know, sometimes she, she, I think she says something like, I just, want to have one part of myself that it feels like I don't have to constantly defend and yeah I think the the intersection and the complexity of all of those different pieces of herself not you know are are why you see so much of her knives out kind of attitude.
0: Yeah and um, yeah I really resonated with the finding your community and sometimes your parts of your identity in your religion um like i just had to do this exercise for a class assignment where um because you know with with teaching you have to think about the funds of knowledge that kids come with and um the parts of themselves that we kind of need to teach to and so they had us like identify our own and i identified a big part of my identity as being my religion because i think it informs so much of of who I am and my moral and ethic and values and things like that um so why did that become so important to Naomi and Ethan and I suppose you to explore um with those characters and especially the community I because I, that seemed to be a really uh big part of their story yeah I mean I think
2: I I guess like from my own experience like I have moved around a lot. Um, I, I wrote it down the other day. I think I've moved 13 times in the last nine years. Um, and I think like one of, you know, there's a lot of opportunities and, and great things that have come from that. There's also challenges. And I think one of the biggest challenges is finding community, especially mm-hmm. as an adult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think where it's like, you know, a lot of friends you from childhood and it's really opportune to make friends and then there's a lot of moments in your life where it's like not super opportune to make friends and i think you know being a writer um and a reader like those communities have been so important to me mm-hmm. um and i think i just yeah i really wanted to explore you know how do we find a community that makes us feel seen that makes us feel um accepted and i i liked for naomi and ethan it is core to their ethos both of these people um you know grew up and decided they wanted to actively be a part of building those communities and to your point ellen like that is what makes them so compatible
0: yeah well and um i also like that ethan builds up this uh where a big part of his identity is this synagogue and um and getting that on the right track and then he's willing to leave it spoiler alert when um it starts to go against his values and you know those core values that we kind of talked about because it's like no this isn't inclusive this isn't accepting of everybody this isn't showing love to everybody and therefore it is no longer my community and um but then you know it all works out. It all works out <laughs> because it's a romance. And um uh but I, I really liked that and um kind of evaluating the the different parts that make up who we are. Um okay, I also wanted to talk to you about the modern intimacy and listener Jennifer asked, how did you come up with modern intimacy lectures? Are they based on other things you've read or just solely from your experience and thoughts, etc.?
2: Yeah. Um so I lived in New York City in my early 20s mm-hmm. and I felt like I just was like a social like an informal sociologist studying dating both <laughs> in my own life yeah. and with my friends because I, you know, I- I'm going to put it out there people can come challenge me that there is nowhere where it is harder to date than in New York City. It is like a competitive Olympic level sport. Mm-hmm. And I have so many stories um again from from myself and then people that I knew or or you know um knew her friends or whatever and I I'm I'm someone that loves frameworks and likes to kind of like reflect on on things in, in that way and so yeah they're not based on any text um they're just based on on things that I've thought about that I've discussed with my friends but I probably that I've discussed with my various therapists over the years. Um, And yeah. And put together, I, I would love to, you know, go into academia at some point. So it very much like fit my interest, this idea that like, I I was so, I mean, I think it is one of the most fascinating things that as a culture, we're sort of obsessed with like partnership. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, from a, especially during the pandemic, where like the loneliest and most isolated we've ever been, but Mm -hmm. there's not really a way to teach intimacy. Um, So I was very very, like inspired by and intrigued by that idea. So, um, yeah, no, it was just kind of something that I sat down and wrote and I knew that I wanted it to kind of reflect different things that I wish people had, Talked about um, with relationships, like mm-hmm. the last lecture, like how to break up, is very dear to my heart because I just feel like it's it's just one of those wild things. It's a big part of a lot of people's experiences. Um, if you're choosing to pursue, um, well, actually, you know what? Whether you're choosing to pursue romantic relationships or not, I think people experience friend breakups. I think they experience. Um, breakups with toxic family members or even sometimes non-toxic family members like this idea that you can form really strong attachment with someone and for different reasons sometimes through fault of your own sometimes not it's taken from you um and it's just brutal so yeah I just had a lot of fun with it
0: yeah if you haven't read it because I kept thinking about this book when I was reading the uh your book is Modern Romance by Aziz Ansari have you read that one
2: I have not read it
0: um, I know that like some people have beef with him, but um, I, I really liked that book a lot. And especially as someone who's attempting to date in these modern times, it was a very humorous, but like informative take on dating in these strange times. And so my question, and this is probably like a very broad and big question that we could spend Three hours talking about, but what do you think sets apart being intimate today versus being intimate like thirty or fifteen even years ago? Like, what's different about our experience?
2: I mean, I feel like it goes without saying, like digital yeah. courtship, right? Like yeah. the apps, I hate it. <laughs> the apps. Um, <laughs> and I don't remember exactly when the apps came about. Like someone would have to tell me. And obviously, like there was like Match, and all those things were on on. yeah Yeah, the apps were popular but I think that I think nowadays and I don't have the statistics in front of me but I think we're like primarily meeting people now through digital courtship Mm -hmm. versus you know 30 40 years ago I think those numbers would have been less the percentage of people that met through digital formats and I mean it's just again with I could talk about this probably for a really long time but it's just like such a wild disruption Mm -hmm. um especially when you think about like the way these apps are designed like tinder for example where it is again depending on what geographic your area area you're in because in new york city there are infinite you could swipe infinitely basically Mm -hmm. um and it's basically like designed to be a game where you're constantly seeking um you know you're you're never satisfied because the app wants you to spend more time in the app because that's how they make money yeah. so um that's sick <laughs> um for people that are are trying to like find love that way so and that's also one of the reasons again why I did want to have a modern intimacy seminar because I feel like oh I remember like when I was single my friends in relationships <laughs> I had one one of my friends is so handsome just like like movie star handsome and I remember him telling me like well you can meet people anywhere you can meet people in the grocery store you can meet people at the movie theater you can meet people whatever and I was like no no you can (laughs) look like that It's just like so wild that his like frame of reference was like one of like um
0: People just come oh, up to you and just ask you out. It's that's what happens. And it's like, yeah, uh, it's like that
2: 30, that 30 rock episode. With yeah. um, yeah, totally. It, it was literally like that where I was like, oh, no, no. Um, <laughs> but I did like this idea that, you know, if you went to a modern intimacy seminar and the, you know, the, the people who are there at least want to learn or are open to learning. So oh. maybe you could find, find someone to fall in love with.
0: Yeah. I think from my perspective, And this is kind of tied to the digital landscape and how that's just completely changed everything. But I think more than ever, we have to have like really frank and open conversations with people. We are dating with really big concepts that are like weird and awkward to talk about. And more than Mm. ever, like we're just not good at doing that because we're so used to just having superficial text conversations
1: and, you know, just, I don't know, I think... I'm trying to think of the difference between like when I was dating as opposed to now. Very, very different. It's very, very different. But I'm trying to think, how is it different? Well, I in that book, um, he talks
0: about how in New York, for example, um, the like geographic frame of reference, Some like in New York, he talks about how people wouldn't even date outside of like their apartment building. Like they would meet someone in their apartment building and that's where that was like their frame of reference for finding the love of their life or like at the very most like their block you know but now because just the possibilities like you were saying are endless it's just an endless um, infinite swipes and so it's kind of like small fish big pond you know like the pond is bigger than ever and it's uh intimidating and also uh hard for people to commit when it's like there's this. Well, and I know
1: that the thing now is, and I don't know if it's a fear to commit or what it is, but people are less likely to get married and, and, and start mm-hmm. a life together. And um, I mean, I was married at 20, so I was young and, um, but I, you know, back when I was dating people, So she tries to commiserate with me, bless her heart. Bless she her. Can't, you. cannot. I don't understand. get it. Why aren't you married? Yeah. The, um, no, I think that you know, now guys just want to hang out and they're just, and I I think a lot, and I don't know that it's just guys, I think girls girls too. too. And I think there's more of a, I don't know if it's because divorce rates are high or what, but people are just more uh, standoffish about committing to a relationship.
0: Whether that's through marriage or just, you know, implied commitment or whatever, but um, yeah, it's just, it's just weird times out there, man and so i really liked everything i liked you kind of exploring that with these characters and um and yeah just how intimacy is like a completely different thing now and made different by how we date and communicate in general i think too it's just like we communicate differently and that of course affects our relationships and stuff so anyway well done again (laughs) um okay so this is the part where I say let's talk about sex baby um so she was just straight up torturing our boy Ethan in that laptop scene oh, I was, was like <laughs> I was like that's just mean girl
1: <laughs> I think he was about to implode
0: <laughs> um that scene was great uh, and but on a more serious note I love that throughout. She just wanted to like mess him up. Like she was just talking about, like, oh, I'm just going to destroy that body, like things, you know, things like that. And, but that when it came down to it, she was the one that kind of felt out of her depth when it came time to get intimate. And I thought you handled that like really well. And I love that scene where, she, and mom and I were talking about it. Well, you she,
1: say? it was, obvious that she knew that this was going to be with him was going to be different than anything she'd ever experienced because she had more emotion involved and that was going and she wasn't sure she was ready for that yet and so she was the one who was kind of holding back because she knew that it was not going to be like all the other experiences that she'd had yeah yes (laughs) (laughs)
2: I'm here for this expert commentary
0: <laughs>
1: <Good job. laughs> yes that's us experts yeah.
0: no but because we often talk about how it's like you know people talk about oh you're just reading the the mom porn or the lady porn or whatever and um and we're like no because honestly like I don't even like a sex scene if it's not furthering the emotional narrative and, um, or just the straight up narrative. Um, and so I just really liked that for these two people who you're like, oh, well, yeah, she's just gonna show, take him on the ride of his life. And that when it comes down to it, and that is in line with like the modern intimacy, right. It's just that when it comes down to it, like being actually intimate is, more than
1: that and more than just the the lady porn scenes that yeah and more than, than just we read the sex for. that that when you bring emotion into it because you have deep feelings for this person then it becomes something way more than just sex yeah and I think
2: like this idea that you know Naomi is somebody that's had a lot of sex in her life she's confident in that area of her life but none of that takes I mean one of the Uh, cool things about sex (laughs) is that it can be it can be it can surprise you you can find that you're not ready you know even though you've done it and you know a good amount of times before like because it's different and it's unique to your relationship where you're at in your life and you know what is going on for you in that moment and all of that stuff and so I think like that adds texture to Naomi, um, that other kind of vulnerability. Because it is a kind of vulnerability to say to someone, like, can you hold me? Like, can we just sit here? Can we just, like, have connection in this way? That can be just as scary to ask for that kind of closeness as getting naked with someone. And so, um, yeah, I wanted to to have that facet of her revealed, I think. Especially because she's someone that readers met in book one you know, I wanted to give as many facets of her as I could. And so I think hopefully that scene helps with that.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. And, um, also like, can he be more perfect yet again, because I just thought he was so sweet and like consent if that's a adjective that we can use, but just checking in with her when she was obviously like, you know, it was when she was feeling out of her depth and, um, you know, being willing to, stop or whatever she needed in that moment. I was just like, gosh, dang you. So great. (laughs) Um, okay. So this is relatively
1: mom friendly. I might add for, for what we were dealing with, you know, with a porn star and, and, uh, a rabbi.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he he made it more mom friendly for you. good. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so question from at MZ Kara Reads on Instagram. What is the life ruiner? We are inquiring for science, is what she says. So is there actually a life ruiner? And is that something so- you want to divulge to other people? <laughs>
2: um I mean I appreciate the question certainly um I will say this is this is like one of the funny things that I think happens to me sometimes as a writer is like people assume that I as the writer have like the expertise that the characters have um this happened to me with a roommate I remember I was like very taken aback when someone asked me for like pornography recommendations um and during like a a book club conversation for that and I was like unfortunately that's like outside of my core <laughs> jurisdiction like that is not, um like I'm not in a good, good position I'm not the expert you're looking for um the characters like again I, I I guess you know thank you for believing in the characters and what they're creating but um yeah all I can say about the life ruiner is that you know Naomi has a trademark on it and I'm, I'm sure she would Charge for tutorials, but <laughs> thank you, thank you very much for the question. Um, and I'm sorry that I is the author. No, fine. Can't, somebody can't, el- and somebody else great. wanted
0: to know about the wrist thing that she taught Josh, but that's probably similar.
2: It's gonna go, yeah, go in the same vein. That'll be Josh Darling Trademark. There you go. <laughs> or she taught him. She taught him. Yeah, so again, she got all the then, trademarks. I guess. Yeah he's just lucky to learn from the best.
0: yeah that's right um okay this is also the part of the show where I usually ask what was your swooniest moment um oh
1: gosh there's so many there
0: are lots uh I think for me we just talked about it but the first attempt at having sex and um and just how sweet he was with her and how and it was also just swoony how much she realized like this is gonna mean something and I can't be flippant about it like sometimes she is I think with with sex and so
1: I think the moment where I said okay here we go is the baseball game where he's like you know I don't care about anything else as much as I care about you yeah. and, and it's just like oh just okay here we go
2: <laughs> kick him with some gas yeah that's right kicked it into high gear for sure, sure. It was, it's definitely a, a slow burn and I guess like yeah, more friends is. to lovers um because I really did want to show that you know their professional relationship as well was important to me like in the specific context of this story um but yeah I love um that's a trope right where you're like confessing your love in the middle of an argument and you're like accidentally yelling it (laughs)
0: yes (laughs) and yeah and we we live for all that do you have a, a swoony moment that sticks out to you as like a favorite oh um I mean, they're all your babies. Good so. question. Good question. Um,
2: God, I like when he's being a dork. There's so many, that was one of my favorite things about like their interactions is like, he is like the clumsy heroine archetype. Yeah. Um, like I really like when he spills coffee on her and then her solution to having a coffee stand on her shirt is just to take off her shirt. Um, <laughs> and I like when um, he's like trying to come up with an excuse for, why he can't meet her and he's like I'm on a boat like yeah. <laughs> he's like, makes no, like he's just makes no sense um so I don't know if it's kind of swoony but I guess like those are endearing moments it. to me yes. yeah
0: for sure um yeah no he he is the the more dorky uh heroine that we usually get and I'm here for it I loved it he's great Um, okay. So there were a lot of people who just wanted to know what's next for you. If you're revisiting this world again, if there will be any bonus epilogues for either of the books, all the good stuff. Um, yeah,
2: I mean, I'm, so in terms, I guess I'll answer that in pieces. So in terms of bonus epilogues, definitely open to that. Would love to hear like what people would like to see. So if there's like a moment in the future that you're curious about, um send that in, uh, comment. I don't know how do people reply to a, a podcast. Okay. Um, I, can, I
0: know, we're still trying to
2: figure that out. <laughs> you can um you can DM me on Instagram, I guess, or you can put it on my website. Um, because I yeah, I would love to do that in the future and I'll you know, I'll customize it for people who are interested. Um in terms of what I'm working on next, I don't have anything currently planned in the roommate series um although I will say there's I think potential characters that were kind of like teed up to maybe have books Mm -hmm. um but Leah (laughs) (laughs) yes both of them I have ideas for both of them um but we'll see like again nothing contracted so I have two more books contracted with Berkeley right now um one that is slated to come out um early October 2022 so that'll be the next one book three um And I'm really bad at pitching it. (laughs) I need to get better, Um, but I will try to talk about it. So it is um, a 90K epilogue to the song Goodbye Earl by the Chicks. Mm. Um, So Mm. if you have heard of that, it is like practical magic without the magic. (laughs) Um, And it's sort of like Weekend at Bernie's, but with a lot more steamy scenes um so that's the the kind of vibes <laughs> that is if you quite will. the pitch like okay I did I have a one sentence pitch but it's not landing yet I don't think but I'll, I'll say it to you okay. um so two sisters um are in bed and breakfast proprietesses that's a hard word to say out loud it's easier to write <laughs> um have the chance to steal an inheritance um, but they have to avoid the brooding private investigator sniffing around the secret in their backyard. Oh
0: uh, well, we are here for that because yeah. we love us some true crime and yeah, there's, um, there's some, hiding dead there's bodies. Some criminals. <laughs> there's some criminals. It's a bit like cat and mouth.
2: Maybe I'll just do tropes, because I can do tropes, I think. Um so I would say so he's a, he's a grumpy private investigator. She is a criminal with a heart of gold. Um, There is a bathtub scene of some kind. I'll just leave that open-ended. What else is happening? Um, It is not a slow burn. It is a fast (laughs) burn. Uh, What else can I tell you about it? Um, Yeah, it's very like, um, it's the closest to enemies to lovers that I've done to date um okay so yeah a lot of um a lot of banter in this one and i'm really enjoying having a hero that is like a little bit mean because i have had such soft boys in yeah. josh and ethan so this one is also soft because i think all my heroes end up soft but he has a, <laughs> a tougher exterior
0: I, I i i love that that's like my favorite kind so i'm I'm here for that. And, um, Rosie's supposed to get me a draft when she has it ready. So I'm excited to, I'm excited to read it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: yeah I'm very excited to share with that you. Is the thing. Um, it's going to be an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. And that bonkers pitch makes me even more excited. Uh, okay. I have a couple, uh, reader comments to share with you. Okay. And they have some questions and things like that and things that I wanted to talk to you about anyway involved in them. So Catherine says this one was a love for me. It's hard to decide whether it should win best new book of the year best hero or best heroine because a case can be made for all of them uh, Naomi and Ethan and their journey are all so special and I'm so happy that they have their place on the bookshelf dating as a rabbi seems even more complicated than celebrity dating because celebrities at least have a whole team and a bunch of money behind them to coordinate it and rabbis are held to a higher standard than celebrities are by their community. Uh, JCCs have stronger security than most people would expect. But the purpose isn't to stop the paparazzi. So that whole thing made sense to me. This is not a dig against Rosie at all. See above gushing. But if Naomi is 5'10 and Ethan is self-described in the baseball scene as short, then why does she tilt her head up to kiss him and is shorter than him in heels on the cover? My theory is that the romance writers are a short crowd in general because otherwise I think we'd see a lot more same height couples in romances. There you go. I think that
2: is fair. I think, yeah, I I have to, I'm, I'm five four so um and my fiance is a full foot taller than me so that was probably <laughs> you're just writing based off of your, your perspective <laughs> in my head he's five eight it's not on the page um but so this will be exclusive for podcast listeners oh, okay. um, in my head he's five eight so she should be bending down a little or like doing something
0: you're right <laughs> that like she said i didn't want to call you out but you know no i appreciate <laughs> we wanted, it gotta keep, we want to keep you want to got to keep us honest well and i wanted to you know pay tribute to the the short king ethan um and love that okay Tiernan says, love, love, loved this book. I highlighted so many lines. The romance between Ethan and Naomi was lovely, but my favorite thing about this book was Ethan's faith and Naomi's connection to it and how much it really was part of her. Well done, Rosie Dannen. And thanks for writing such a beautiful story about faith, friendship, grief, and of course, love. There you go. There's there you that go. one. Um, Jennifer says, love this book so much. I also loved how the Jewish faith was interwoven into the story. And I thought Naomi was a complex, interesting character. I'm so excited that Rosie will be a part of the episode. Two shout outs for the life ruiner move and the I am a man and I'm going to F you. And yeah, (laughs) I mainly just wanted to call that line out. Well, that's probably my favorite line. I actually had that line
2: well before I ever wrote the book. Um, Like when I was pitching the book, to to yeah, my best friends. I was like, I really want to write this book about this rabbi uh, being Naomi's partner, and I want to see if I can get him to say this line. And yeah, my friend Ruby and, Barrett, who is uh, a wonderful romance writer in her own right, was like, I I think I just had an orgasm from you saying that. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'll put it in the book.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, because I was like, oh, dang, Ethan. okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um jennifer had some questions that were asked throughout the episode but then she had this one as well not specific to this book but i'm very interested in your perspective about whether or not the pandemic is going to show up in romance novels are we going to see some forced proximity tropes or are writers such as yourself going to ignore it i mean ethan's synagogue would have closed for almost a year and naomi's company shameless would have shut down their filming for a while i'm not sure i want to read about it in my romance fiction but on the other hand ignoring it seems weird and she says next week we're reading people on vacation and I kept thinking lol you did not go to a wedding in Palm Springs last year you lovely characters you everything was either set to be pre-2020 or post-2022 or is the issue completely ignored I'm just curious as to what you and other writer friends are thinking or what you're hearing from editors publishers etc yeah
2: um
0: So I can definitely only speak to my own experience here. Um,
2: And actually I turned in the intimacy experiment on February, 2020. So right before (laughs) that uh, good old pandemic, February 28th, I should say. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, that story did exist outside of, before knowing the pandemic was going to happen. I will not be writing about the pandemic anytime soon. um, Mainly because I, you know, I'm, turn to romance for comfort Mm -hmm. a lot um especially now and I yeah I'm not finding that joyful or or comforting which is you know what I'm looking to write at the moment um that said I did really enjoy Robin Robin Lovett had a I don't know if you guys have heard about this had a series that came out where it was like alien guys and they had like vaccines coming out of their downstairs um and oh. <laughs> okay. it was wow. really it was really like escapist and playful and fun and sexy and I think it that is like a good way to kind of provide um you know uh, an escapist pleasant comforting outcome to the yeah, situation like that, that obviously it's not real
1: yeah we all have to get the vaccine (laughs) may I recommend (laughs) all the female population we'd be vaccinated (laughs) different kind of
2: injection yeah um so that is worth checking out um but I would say the most of the writers that I'm that I know are not kind of including it at the moment and I just don't know that the majority of readers are looking for it so that said I, I do try to think about what I am craving coming out of it and in more in a sense of theme so like I am very interested in in kind of like not this is going to sound really heavy but I don't think it needs to be on the page but like grief for life that we weren't able to live at the time Mm -hmm. Um, and the idea of like beating yourself up for like choices that you made that led to your circumstances in the pandemic like those are all things that i've been thinking about and i think those themes are sort of explored in a safe way in my book three so i think while you won't see a lot of people being like putting the pandemic on the page in that sense i think you're going to see people reflecting on the themes that we've all been experiencing um isolation um you know, loss of connection. I guess those are sort of the same thing. But I I do think you're going to see some of those themes come to life in different ways on the page in in response.
0: Yeah, because reading that question, I was like, me as a reader, do I even want to read that at this point? And I think, I think it could be a fun thing to explore 10 years from now, when hopefully we're away from it, (laughs) you know, or maybe not even 10. But five years or something because i think there is like good stuff to there's there's good love stories that could come out of that and we could have fun with but right now it's just like that's all i'm living i don't want to read about it because it's like you said like for me romance is so much about escapism and um but it has been interesting like us talking to listeners everybody just wants a happy poppy escape fun happy ones like nobody wants no angst angst. like we're all just trying to Mm -hmm. kind of have fun and read lovey-dovey books at this point um but i yeah so i think i think there could be fun to be had with it further down the road but right now it's like no that's all we hear 24 7 i don't need to read a book about it at this point in time for me personally but yeah um, okay Ann says this was such a great and thoughtful book I love the focus on community and reading this made me miss the communities I had in college like my sorority and church group virtual groups like this book club have helped through the pandemic and this story has me so excited to find new supportive groups IRL I also really liked that Ethan was the more emotional character and Naomi was the tougher one in the relationship it was nice to see that dynamic since it's usually the other way around and it was done so well since Naomi and Ethan's backgrounds made these personalities make so much sense can't wait to hear what everyone else thought and I wanted to talk about that one because um, as someone who maybe comes from a uh parent relationship where the man is the more emotionally intelligent person (laughs) that's true I I liked that representation where you know sometimes the the guy can be the more emotionally intelligent of the pair which I don't think is often
1: presented in romance that's the only way he's more intelligent sure
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah no I, I don't think like um emotional intelligence you know has a gender or anything like that like absolutely um Ethan I think is just I mean they're both very emotional I think and just in different ways but I think in terms of um being ready for a relationship I think Ethan is like more ready for a relationship at the start of the book um at least the type of relationship relationship that they end up pursuing
0: which is you know very
2: very serious
0: (laughs) yeah yeah and I think he's because they both are um knowledgeable I would say but I I would say that he yeah I guess what you just said that he's more ready to like put down roots than she is but um she comes around but they're both introspective about emotional about emotions and sex and intimacy so I thought that was good um ria says oh man this book i've read it twice already i love everything about it naomi's cat story her breakup ritual ethan and leah's sibling relationship his octogenarian friends the softball game the cuddling incident i didn't think i could possibly love it as much as the roommate and then i did and now i want to live in this universe forever um she says how about a book for leah and some of the other shameless people and claire's brother and we can just keep this going forever yeah um and I also just wanted to shout out all those things that she said because I loved the cat story I loved the um softball game the cuddling incident all that stuff and the breakup ritual having j- recently gone through a breakup <laughs> I was like yeah I should have done all this although he didn't deserve a letter let's be honest um no he did probably <laughs> but. you can be mean in the letter so (laughs) yeah well actually I get meaner about it as I get further away from it which is probably not healthy um okay Juliet says I read this one a while back and really liked it not going to lie I was a little skeptical going into it just based on the back cover description but I loved the roommate so much and honestly was down to read this book for all the side bits about Josh and Clara and thought I would see how it went. Let me tell you, I was so glad I read this. I love that Naomi was tough and persistent in her goals to make a real difference, how society views intimacy and Ethan's emotional intelligence was sexy. I don't remember all the details because it's been a while, but I can say that I really liked how it portrayed men of faith in a way that felt very human and real. Even though I am not Jewish, I felt there were a lot of things from their relationship, AKA public image, intentional intimacy and emotionally digging deep just to name a few that I feel translate to other religions as well and I love that insight into how a relationship with a strong spiritual figure would look Rosie I love your voice and how your books address stigmas around sex head-on they have even got me to think differently about some things and I guess my only question is what's next which we've addressed already but I just wanted you to hear all of this that is so
2: nice I have to say like it, there's not a lot of t- I don't try not to read any reviews um just because that has gone poorly for me in the past um so I I don't I miss a lot of positive reviews I assume (laughs) or at least some positive (laughs) um but this is yeah this is nice oh my gosh wow well I
0: I mean I will tell you I we only had nice reviews um but I might have picked uh cherry picked some of the like more insightful ones that I thought you would appreciate um And then finally, Raquel says, I loved this book so much and thought it was an absolutely brilliant reflection on intimacy, love, relationships, and faith. 75 highlighted passages and notes. I liked the grumpy heroine and sunshine hero dynamic. I loved Naomi as a heroine. She was very insightful. Same as Ethan, hands down best book boyfriend of the year nominee. This is a thing that we do. I don't know if you know this. Oh, I'm aware. (laughs) Um, Ethan was a very interesting character with his background in science, his family history, and how he became a rabbi. Have us stress enough how perfect Ethan is. Like his lovely speech on chapter 19 after they kiss, I loved how... Both of Rosie Dannon's books have made me think and analyze many things and see them through a different lens, one of them being the adult entertainment industry. My normal question for Rosie is, will we see another book in the Shameless Clara, Josh, Naomi universe? And my other very random question, if anyone ever approached you and said, hey, I'm interested in investing in a company like Shameless, let's partner up. Would you be interested in hearing them out? Um. I mean, I would be interested in hearing them out just because
2: that seems wild, (laughs) Uh, like cool. Like uh, as a a fiction author coming up with like a startup, the idea that somebody would want to fund it, very cool. So I think I couldn't miss that conversation. That said, I don't, again, like, I think this is the line between characters and the author. Like I don't personally have the expertise that Josh and Naomi bring to the table um, and even Clara in some respects to like, Probably be the right person to start that but yeah. if you know somebody wanted to say let's find um some sex educators and some adult performers because honestly from my conversations with adult performers a lot of them really have thought about things like this which I think is so just because they they have so much to share so if they were like let's find the right people to to
0: start this and and maybe be the funding kind of similar to Clara like yeah sure I'd be open <laughs> there you go um and I think I would be a subscriber probably uh
2: (laughs) I will say I will actually I should say there is a site that I believe is called I can't I don't remember if it's called omg wow or it's called omg yes it's one or the other so you have to Google both um and (laughs) And but that is you get that is uh tutorials about female pleasure um, for partners and um women um and it is not run by sex workers it is not um you know as in depth or in um some of it's not exactly like shameless but if you're looking for something that exists check that out
0: there you go um rosie that's all that i have for you that we have as listeners as well but um yeah just uh out of the park with this one I loved it and um I just yeah like everybody was saying too I really loved how introspective it was about all of these big issues that I know you were talking about were intimidating for you but I thought you did a really great job and um I just love to see the representation across the board in this book and uh I loved it and you know auto buy girl I mean, you would have been an auto buy anyway, but, um, <laughs> oh, here's a question. And that I can also cut out if you can't talk about it, but it, what, where is the movie with where I know the movie rights have been sold for the room. I
2: don't I talk about it. I just don't have like super exciting stuff. Basically like the script is, is in development, Okay. Um which you know sounds promising just the fact that somebody's going to write a script even if it never gets made but I get to read the script that somebody wrote based on the book I think that'll be really cool. Um so yeah that that is kind of the update that I have uh um, okay. and again still still wild that that is going on.
0: Yeah, that is that would be crazy. Um
1: <laughs> but we loved it. Any thoughts from you? No, it was great. It was a fun read. Uh yeah. Thanks for your great book. Yeah. Um and thanks so much Well, for thank you. On.
2: No, I'm not.
0: and Yeah, um, it's it's always a pleasure, like truly truly. Yeah. Well, we we love having you and um it's just so fun for me to like see your your journey and how well you're doing and read your delightful books. So um if you go back and listen to the roommate episode you can hear me and rosie talk about how we know each other and things like that um but so those are some of our thoughts and your thoughts on the intimacy experiment by rosie Dannon. we would love to hear more from you on our facebook page our facebook group which is not your mom's facebook group our Goodreads group, our Twitter and Instagram, which are both at Not Your Moms Rom, our subreddit, Not Your Moms Subreddit, or you can email us at Not Your Moms Romance Book Club at gmail.com. So if you want to read along with us and email us with your thoughts, or if you would like to suggest a book for us to read, we'd love to hear from you. On August 23rd, we will be discussing People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever your favorite podcasts are sold for free. Don't forget to leave a review because it helps the show. And we just love to read them um (laughs) all right
1: thanks mom you're welcome ellen more importantly thank you rosie thank you rosie oh you're so welcome all right we'll
2: see you bye bye
0: not your mom's romance book club is part of the frolic podcast network you can find more outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcasts